0: Well, howdy, everybody! Welcome to Cap City. Good to see you. Would you stand right now? We're going to worship God for all the joy that He gives to us, all the wonderful things that shows that He's here in our lives. Let's make sure that He hears us today, okay?
1: When you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here, and I know you are moving. I'm here, and I know you will feel me come down, Spirit. When you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here, and Spirit was moving
0: Thank you for that gift, the one that continues to create within us each and every day. As we allow Your Spirit to overtake us, allow Your Spirit to be more in charge than we have been in the past. God, we want our nature to be gone and Your nature to take over. We want Your beauty to take over, Father. When we come into this room, we know that You have promised to be here. So we call upon those promises that You've made when we come into this place, Father. We are able to see You experience you. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit within each as you've created and recreated over and over and over again. Father, we give you this time. We love you, and it is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat?
2: So what do you think? Some of you guys are probably like, well, kind of pretty. Others of you are probably like, where are the guitars, drums, beat? It's not going to pump anyone up. Some of you guys are probably like, this is supposed to be church, right? That's not a church song, is it? Nah. It's called Gabriel's Oboe. It's from one of the most powerful movies I've ever experienced called The Mission. And the guy who played the cello is my favorite musician in the world. guy named Yo-Yo Ma. My preaching partner, Randy's like, what were his parents thinking? Calling their kid Yo-Yo. I figure that's probably why he just hold up and practice his cello for about 16 hours a day, so he'd have to avoid people calling him his name. My daughter actually bought me tickets to go see Yo-Yo Ma in concert next month down at Center College and I'm pumped but sometimes guys for me it's more than just a song it's more than just music it's beauty sometimes it's almost transcendent sometimes when I hear that song my eyes get kinda watery I don't know why it happens it's kinda weird and I'm not alone if you read down through the YouTube comments about Gabriel Zobo You read things like this. I wept, no kidding. Or I wanna hear this song at the end of my life, such hope, I'd prefer to hear it before the end of my life, actually. Or this piece is more than just music, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, it is for me too. Or this music caused me to close my eyes, bow my head and give thanks, me too. So why is it that some pieces of music can do that for at least some of us? Maybe you're not wired that way, or maybe it's a different kind of music that'll do that for you. But why does beauty take our breath away? Why does sometimes beauty almost feel transcendent? Now, if I would had the time, I would have asked Steve to play Barber's adagio for strings which may be one of the most haunting and beautiful pieces of music ever written. The Detroit Symphony Orchestra posted their performance of Barbara Adagio on YouTube and it was amazing and I just went down through some of the comments. Nothing short of a sacred event, holy, was for me too. One guy said, my wife cried like a baby. She's a big baby, I don't cry like a baby. My eyes get a little watery sometimes, must be allergies I guess. One guy said I was the delivery driver and I had to pull over, I couldn't stop crying. What a wuss. I might do that, but I wouldn't tell anyone. (laughs) Or Barbara must have been divinely inspired to have written this. I agree. Words can't describe the transcendence, the transcendence when I listen to it. I get that. Or surely God was at work when Barbara composed this piece and God was, I think. You see, sometimes the appropriate response to incredible beauty is not just wow, sometimes the appropriate response is wow God. Because sometimes beauty gives us a peek at the heart of our God and sometimes sometimes beauty is simply the handiwork of God. We have our little play farm out on, off Owenton Road. Our s- house sits up on the hill above the trees to the east and the west, so we can see the whole sunrise behind our home and the whole sunset out in front. And they can be spectacular. Wow, God. It's not uncommon for Julia Olathe to call me all excited and say, you've got to see this. And it can take your breath away. If you are human because we've got some cows and chickens and dogs and cats and there are deer and raccoon and possums and skunks, and we have never ever seen a single one of them just standing there awed by a sunrise or a sunset. I grew up on the west coast out along the Pacific Ocean There are places in Oregon where the waves simply crash on the rocks and what you see, what you hear, what you feel is so beautiful that it simply cannot be captured with words or paintings or pictures. And all you can do is say, holy cow, God. If you drive down to Northern California, you can see the giant redwoods, tallest trees on earth. They will take your breath away. If you're human, I've never seen any animals dazzled by them. So old, so tall, so quiet, if you look up through the trees, it's almost as if they point towards heaven metaphorically. Wow, well, God, you did good. You ever been to the Grand Canyon? Pictures cannot do it justice. It's too big, too overwhelming to be captured on screen or on paper or with words. Most people, the first time they walk up to the rim, just stand there dumbfounded. Holy cow, God. Thank you. Julie and I got to ride at the top of Mount Sinai on camels. They think it might be the place where Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. We rode up in the dark before sunrise so we could watch the sun come up. There were some guys from Capital City there with us. It was flat out cool. Stunningly beautiful. Even transcendent. Wow, God. Thank you. Did you know that the camels didn't care at all? they just stood there chewing on whatever. Sometimes it's not the handiwork of God, sometimes it's the handiwork of someone who's been created in the image of God that is almost transcendently beautiful. You see God planted something God-like inside you and me. He not only gives us the ability to enjoy His handiwork, He also gives us the ability and the desire to produce our own often to the glory of God. Did you know that some of the greatest artists and some of the greatest composers would dedicate their work to the glory of God? Because they were smart. Several years back, Julie and I got to go to Rome and we walked into the Sistine Chapel. (laughs) It's like you're walking inside a painting. Stunning. And I looked up at the ceiling and there it was, my favorite painting in the whole world. Creation of Adam by Michelangelo. In fact, I have a copy of that painting hanging in my bedroom. Holy cow, God. And then you walk into St. Peter's Cathedral and you turn to the right and there it is. Maybe the most passionate sculpture ever carved, the Pieta by Michelangelo. He actually tries to capture the moment, the emotion of the moment when the corpse of Jesus is pulled off the cross. Mary's eyes are too deep for tears. When I saw it, my eyes got watery again. I guess kind of allergies there at St. Peter's. Wow, God, thank you. My family's been to Washington, D.C. enough, you know, because it's a cheap vacation. Last couple of times, we simply wandered through some of the incredible art galleries there. So we're wandering through the National Gallery of Art and wandering down a hall, and I turn, and there it is. It's sitting right in front of me. Lord's Supper by Salvador Dali, one of my favorite pictures in the world. He actually tries to capture transcendence. Do you know I've never seen a dog or a cat or a bird or any other creature dazzled by art? They'll eat it. Now why is that? And it doesn't have to be a Michelangelo or a Dolly to stir us. My granddaughter Morgan, trained at the Kentucky Dance Academy for several years, actually got pretty good, and several of the girls from this church family have trained there. By the way, this is Lauren Bradley, one of our interns here at Cap City. Every year around Christmas, the school presents the, the ballet, the Nutcracker incredible music by Tchaikovsky, marvelous little story and dance. Isn't she beautiful? (laughs) To see these kids, our kids, doing their best to create something beautiful. It's not the Bolshoi or the New York City Ballet, but it's incredible to watch. Believe it or not, my eyes got watery in there too. Pollen in the room, I guess. Our kids, trying to be as graceful and as elegant, as beautiful as they can be, is mesmerizing. Why is that? Why are we moved by beauty? Why are we obsessed by it? We search it out. We let it captivate us. We are driven to try to create it. We want to share it. Why is that? Did you know, Do you know that 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 is part of what it means to have been created in the image of God. We are not like the other animals. Part of us is. Part of us is like the other animals, but part of us is different. God makes us in His image. And our obsession with beauty, I think, can only be explained by that. It is a fingerprint of God. Now, it's flat-out hard to explain beauty if you're an atheist. Chances are you're still moved by it. Most atheists still love great music and great art and great vistas. They just can't tell you why. Scientists can map out the electrical impulses and the chemical reactions that occur when we are stirred by beauty. They just can't explain why it stirs us so. You can't get there evolutionarily. You can't get there materialistically. Tim Keller is a great preacher up in New York, teacher. He's one of my heroes. Here's what Keller says He says, If there is no God, if you're an atheist, and if everything in this world is the product of, as Bertrand Russell puts it, an accidental collocation of atoms, hmm. which means there's no actual purpose for which we were made, we're just accidents. If we are just the product of accidental natural forces, then what we call beauty is nothing but neurological, hardwired response to data. But why, why that response? He says you can only find certain scenery to be beautiful because maybe you had ancestors who knew that you'd find food there, and they survived because of that neurological feature, and now we've got it too. That doesn't work because we find things that are incredibly dangerous to be beautiful as well. Keller says in the same way though music feels significant if you're an atheist that significance is an illusion. So how do you explain why music moves us so? Keller says, atheists may believe that truth and justice and good and evil are illusions, but in the presence of art or even of great natural beauty, their hearts tell us a different story. Your heart points to a creator God. See, guys, for atheists who try to wax eloquently in the, on the random meaninglessness of life, beauty is a problem, it's an enigma. Eric Metaxas is a really smart guy. He writes some really deep books about God and the people of God. And he says, on what basis would an atheist appreciate great music, great art, wonders of nature? He says, to the consistent materialist, to the consistent atheist, all music, all art is actually no different than necromancy or astral projection. You know, stuff like seances and witchcraft. It's outside the scope of the natural world it's outside the scope of science science can't deal with the transcendent music is simply a combination of sound waves and all these different frequencies that are detectable to the human ear just rhythmic noise right but he says how does that, that explain the seductiveness of beauty how does that account for what it does for us Metaxas kind of teases atheists like Dawkins and Hitchens. He says, Dawkins and Hitchens have been so wildly opposed to anything touching on God and the eternal, so brutally dogmatic in their pronouncements that the material world is all there is, that when you find them praising art or artists, it's strange and almost reckless. Perhaps the whole thing is a deliberate misdirection intended to throw people off the depressing trail of atheism as if to say we're not Philistines, we can be atheists who appreciate great music and great art, but on what basis if it's not a fingerprint of God? See, I think, and I'm not alone, I think our ability to see beauty, our ability to be moved by beauty, to create beauty is a fingerprint of God, guys. It's part of our bearing the image of God. So beauty makes sense to us, to us Christians. Genesis 127, God says, let's make mankind different. Let's make him in our image. Let's make him in our likeness so that he may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created us in his image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created us. And so in some ways, we're very much like the other animals on this earth, but we're unique, too. Different in some ways. We're kind of like God. Kind of like the kind of God who seems to enjoy making things beautiful. Did you know? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Did you know? That the further we drift from God culturally, the less captivated by beauty we seem to be. Why is it that as we drift away from God, why is there so much deconstruction and disorder and depravity in art? Why is it as we drift from God that there's so much dissonance and noise and vulgarity in music? Why is it as we drift from God that there's so much darkness and shallowness and depravity in film? As the image of God in us grows more and more muddled. Now Charles Darwin was a little more coherent than many of the modern atheists. So here's what he says. Darwin says, up to the age of 30 or beyond, poetry of many kinds gave me great pleasure... He says, even as a schoolboy, I took intense delight in Shakespeare. He says, formerly, used to, pictures gave me considerable music, great delight. But now, for many years, I can't even endure to read a line of poetry. He says, I've tried to read Shakespeare, found it to be intolerably dull, so that it nauseates me. He says, I've almost lost my taste for pictures or music. He was a perceptive atheist. He says, I do retain some taste for fine scenery, but it doesn't cause me the exquisite delight it formerly did. He says, my mind seems to have been kind of a machine now, grinding out general laws out of a large collection of facts. And he says, the loss of those tastes results in a loss of happiness and may possibly be injurious to the intellect, more probably to the moral character, by enfeebling the emotional part of our nature how dark is that and I think he's right it's kind of weird if you look at it CS Lewis went exactly the opposite direction he started out as an atheist and he became a Jesus follower and as he did that he began to understand finally and revel in beauty before he became a Christian everything you see he says everything you touch is simply a meaningless dance of atoms And any suggestion that there's beauty nature is simply what he calls subjective phosphorescence, which means looks pretty, seems pretty, but it's just visceral, fades away. Looking back, Lewis says, you can't get much pleasure from beautiful music if you think beauty is an illusion. And the only reason you find it appealing is because your nervous system is irrationally conditioned to like it. You may enjoy the music, but you're going to be forced to feel the hopeless disharmony between your emotions and the universe in which you think you really live. But once he became a believer in God, he began to understand that our fascination with beauty, the power of beauty, beauty is a pointer to God, guys. It's a fingerprint of God. Wow, God. Thank you. See, as far back as Augustine, 1,600 years ago, and then guys like C.S. Lewis and Tim Keller, they've noticed that we human beings have these longings, right? We've got these longings. You get hungry and we long for food. Food can satisfy that longing for a while. We get lonely and we long for companionship and intimacy can satisfy that longing for a time. We get tired and sleep can satisfy that longing. We long for love. We long for meaning. We long for beauty because God put those longings in you. And God never puts a longing in you that can't be satisfied somehow. The fact that that longing is in you, that longing for beauty, is an evidence that God gave you something that can satisfy that longing. I mean, not longing for things like love and Meaning and beauty. God not only created those longings, but He created what can satisfy them. Those longings are evidences of God. They're powerful, powerful, circumstantial evidences of God, I think. They are fingerprints of God. Now we've got this God who seems to take delight in beauty. How cool is that? Just look around. And then He plants in us the ability to enjoy His beauty. And then he dazzles us with it. It's kind of like God is saying, watch this, guys. Isn't it gorgeous? And he loves to see our wonder. I mean, kids love to dazzle their parents with beauty, right? They're just not very good at it. Have you ever had a kid hand you a piece of art they created for you with a crayon clenched in their fists? And you say, oh, how beautiful. You lie like a dog, right? Right? Then you stick their beauty on your refrigerator door. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of ugly. But you're tickled that your kids are trying to love on you. Did you know that God really isn't dazzled musically by Yo-Yo Ma and his rendition of Gabriel's oboe? When Steve sings, God isn't dazzled by his voice. Do you think God actually stops and says, Shh, Steve is singing. He's good. i got to hear this. I mean, the God who created the universe with a snap of his fingers, the God who formed the vocal cords that Steve uses, the God who inspires him to sing it all, in God's eyes, the best we can do are no more than the crayon drawings of a child on God's refrigerator door. (laughs) And he puts it up there and he whispers, oh, how beautiful. Not because it's so beautiful, but because he finds you beautiful for some reason. But more than that, a parent wants his kids to see beauty, right? If you're a good parent, you want your kids to be dazzled by beauty. Come on, guys, look at this sunset with me. It's amazing. Well, come on, guys, I'm going to take you to the gorge, or we're going go to go to see Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon, and it's going to blow your minds. Just look at this flower, guys. You've got to see this. Have you ever seen anything so beautiful? And God's like that, I think. Hey, guys, look at this. And we stare with awe at the sunset, and God grins, and we're like, wow, God, thank you. I think God loves dazzling his kids. And that's why he created in us this capacity for and this desire for beauty. Guys, if there's no God, how do you account for all the joy and the beauty that we revel in in this life? Have you ever just been moved by a starlit sky? or The beauty of an ocean? Or the view from the top of a mountain or a gorgeous sunset or an amazing lightning storm? Do any of those things have any evolutionary value, survival value? Come on guy's beauty is reality in the human experience, but how do you account for it without a god? Now, I'd like you to listen for just a couple of minutes to a young Christian apologist. He's talking to some kids on a university campus, and this girl asks how she should deal with a roommate who's an atheist, a nihilist, which means for her nothing matters, life is meaningless. And one of the evidences for God that this young apologist talks about is beauty. Listen to this.
3: My name is Caitlin and I'm from California. I go to school at uh, California State University Fullerton.
2: Oh, yeah, there's a big
3: yeah. controversy happening. Yeah. yeah. I'm well earth. And And um, so obviously a lot of my friends are super liberal and I live in um, a sorority house with a lot of girls who are super liberal and one of them in particular, is very, um, has a nihilistic worldview, atheist, super liberal and how do I go about that, like trying to help her or convict that without um, still having to live with her as a roommate? It's a great question. So all of you are going to encounter nihilists at some point in your life. You probably already have. Uh, where there is no God. We're all just a clump of cells. Everything here is an accident. Um, why even be here? It's just a very dark, very with all these substances. It's really it's really a, a, a dangerous thing, I believe. Number one, let's just talk about atheism really quick. And if there's any atheists here, by the way, God bless you, thank you for being here. Um, and, exactly. Um, so, thank you for being here. So, um, and no, I mean that, because I don't view atheists or people that are secular as the obstacle, I think of you as the opportunity. I wanna be in heaven with you one day, and I, I pray that you will be. Um, so that's the, f- the first thing is this, is that um, light will always when dealing with atheists, there's a couple just logical imperfections in their worldview that I'm going to give you a couple hardwires right now. I'm going to give you a couple cheat codes. You ready? So um, here's a couple cheat codes for atheists. And they're going to say there's no such thing as absolute truth, right? That's one of their big things. And say, do you believe that absolutely? <laughs> I mean, if there's no such thing as absolute truth, then what you just said might not be absolutely true. Then you're believing something that might actually not be true. Um, so they are we say are. So, um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, and this really kind of drives me nuts, I wouldn't recommend using this, by the way, is that without God, there would be no atheists. It's like, whew, that it really drives me out of control. Um, and, I mean, whatever. So the other thing is this is, um, when you're trying to talk to a nihilistic person, I think that, and there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but there's one thing they can't answer. You ready for it? Here's the cheat code. The social Darwinists that believe that in Darwin, always gets them confused it's music what is music now they will say that music came from songbirds like no 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 no. that's noise what is music why do certain pieces of music make you cry why do certain pieces of music make you feel something that you just can't quite articulate why does some music sound better than others because we believe those of us that believe in god that music is something that is extra spiritual. It's actually a connection to a higher power. That's why the longest book in the Bible is literally Psalms, songs, Psalms. Songs. The, last, the last chapter of the book of Psalms is about using trumpets and using instruments to glorify God. They can't explain music. They also can't explain beauty. Ask them, is there anything in this world that is beautiful? Go drive to Malibu and say, let's look at the sunset. Is that beautiful? Yes. Why? Why is it that when human beings see an open ocean, we all agree there's something good about this. It's because we all have hardwired in us a yearning to desire the good and reject the bad, A, a, a size in our heart that only God can fill. Even the nihilists will admit this when they're confronted with it, and they don't have an answer for it. And so my advice to you, maybe you'll play Mozart, Maybe something like that. And you listen to that music, and all of us will agree there's something so sweet and harmonious about this. And those of us that believe in the Bible, we can explain it, right? We know what that is because we use music as a way to glorify God. That is why all of the great conductors and all of the great um, orchestra, all the great individuals of Mozart and Bach and all of them, they all said on the top of their music, Glory be to God. Always. Because what they were doing to try to glorify God. Always. So that's, I could go a lot deeper into that. But my advice to you is don't look at her as how am I going to live with her. Instead, say how am going to live forever with her. How do I bring her to heaven? That's my advice to you with her, okay?
2: So here's my advice to you guys. Every day, guys. Every day God's going to give you an opportunity to say, wow, God, thank you. So do it. God's going to send you these little kisses every single day. He gave us this unique capacity for beauty. And then he says to us, watch this. You got to see this. And if you're perceptive and you're smart, you're going to be like, wow. Thank you, God. And every time you try to create something beautiful, guys, God put that in you. Nature didn't do that. God did. Which is why, he said, the greatest composers and greatest artists would often say, to the glory of God, because they got it. Some of you guys know this part, and some of you guys don't. <laughs> I used to play the cello, which is probably why Yo-Yo Ma is the greatest musician in the world for me. In fact, he's one of the reasons I don't play cello anymore. Because when I hear him play, I hear What's possible? I hear what it's supposed to sound like, and I could never come close to that. And it would just frustrate me and make me sad when I played. When I hear him play, it's almost transcendent. Believe it or not, when I did play, I'd get really nervous. I wasn't bad, but I'd get really nervous, and if you're going to solo or play in a place where you're going to be hurt, you have to have really steady hands to play the cello. Both hands had to be so steady, and I'd get nervous. So here's what I would do. I'd try to shut everything else out of my mind, shut everybody in the room out of my mind, and I'd focus on this thought this is just for you, God. I'm just going to play this for you, God. And then I would play it just for God. And God would always respond, Oh, how beautiful. And he'd take my song and he'd put it on his refrigerator door. Let's pray. You're a beautiful God and you've filled our world with so many things that are beautiful and you've given us the capacity to enjoy that. We give you thanks. Sometimes we wonder whether you're there and we just got to think through it, Lord. So many fingerprints, so many evidences of your presence and of your goodness. We want to be bold as Christians, Jesus followers courageous we want to stand tall to live life with a lightness give us the courage to be people of God in the name of Christ we pray amen guys God has graced us in so many different ways so many different ways in the thing that we remember every single week is how we went to the cross for us he wanted us to do life with him so badly that he took our place paid for our sins, that we could do life with God, for God, God's way. How cool. And then he fills our life with so many good things. And he wants us to respond. This is a time in our worship services that we give back. And we give back in a couple of ways. First of all, every one of these worship stations has got a black box. That's where we give our first part back to God because we're Jesus followers there's a white bucket there and that generous bucket if you have a dollar or two you want to drop it in there every penny that goes in there we use just to love on people take care of people but beyond that it's not just giving back that way we give thanks did you know that the Lord's Supper is oftentimes called the Eucharist which in Greek simply means to give thanks thank you God thank you for what you did for us thank you for what you do for us every single day It's a time of thanks. I'm going to invite you to these tables. Give back. Give us thanks. Give an offering if you choose. And give him the gratitude that he deserves for being the kind of God that he is. You're welcome.
1: so Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now for Shadows, you win every battle. Nothing is sinned against the power of our.
4: you would, please. Uh, This is Mike and his lovely family, uh, which I don't remember all their names, but you can, because you can read it right there, okay? And uh, they have come and said they want to be a part of our family. How about that, huh? And so I'm going to ask if you would. That's right, man. I want to ask if you would, if you would, repeat after me uh, that uh, good confession is I believe believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ. the Son of the living God. That's awesome. We're welcome to our family and hunt them. I'm gonna be up here because I'm gonna tie them up, so you can come and greet them, okay? And come and share with them and uh, introduce yourself, and they can introduce you and uh, introduce themselves to you as well. Mike, glad to have you guys with us. God bless. Have a seat. I'll be right with you. Well, did we touch on any of the beauty points for you this morning? Let me tell you one. The family. Right here. Huh? isn't it beautiful to come together and worship like this? Isn't it beautiful that we come together and just celebrate? Wow. That's an awesome thing. You know, there's a lot of beauty points that Doc talked about in there. And uh, I remember when he said, Vern, do you think this little piece of music will work? Because I want to play this. And uh, he played that Yo-Yo Ma piece for me. And guess where we were at? Of all places, we were sitting in the sandwich shop having lunch. And I started to tear up, and it wasn't because of allergies like Doc. It was because I was touched by the beauty in the hand of God. That's just awesome stuff. So I'm going to talk about nudges here just a minute, but i want to nudge you one way today. Give God the glory for the beauty in your life. You know what? Just, yeah, yeah. go ahead and applaud. That's great. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you can even start with the, the air in your lungs. Give him praise for that. It's an awesome thing. Let me tell you something else. You know a little secret? You ready for this one? I don't tell anybody. we got five weeks till Easter. Five weeks. Wow, man, take, You know I'm all excited about that. Yeah, our risen Lord, we get to come together there and celebrate. Second thing I'm excited about is closer to spring. Oh, and summer. And so we don't have to shovel snow and all that kind of good stuff. But I want to encourage you to, to start inviting people, okay, that you, you can invite a neighbor, uh, invite a friend, invite an enemy, whoever. Just bring somebody to church with you on, on Easter. And we challenge you to do that. also, the Saturday before, that is extravaganza. And we're going to ask if you would be bringing candy. Buy bits of candy that may fit in a plastic egg, you know, like a two-pound Hershey bar. And uh, <laughs> so we can have it at the staff. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, please, if you would do it, there will be a trunk out here. You can bring it out with you. If you want to drop it by the office, we'll take it. But we're going to need thousands of pieces of candy uh, for our extravaganza. So keep that in mind if you would bring that out. Also, now I want to talk to you about nudges. We've been challenging everybody to do like we're going to be up to doing 12,000 nudges. And, folks, uh, if you haven't done it yet, I encourage you to do so. matter of fact, you can go out here in the lobby. There's cards out there that has the basketball on them that they threw out last week. There's also little uh, cards out there you can pick up with suggestions on what you can do uh, to have, give somebody a nudge. I'm going to share with you what I did this last week on nudging people. I had a conference call video call with a uh, customer service, and everybody likes to deal with customer service, right? And so I deal with customer service, and come to find out this person was uh, in the Chicago area, and as you know me, I'm kind of an outgoing kind of guy, and I'll sit and asking questions and all this kind of good thing while they were punching buttons on the computer, and come to find out she lived in some of the areas where I've been in, and and, uh, that they uh, uh, do this and do that and all that kind of good. And then we also found out that they're going to be in our area in April, so I invited them out to dinner. I said, "Let me show you some Southern hospitality." And by the time we got done with that customer service call, guess what? We're going to dinner when they come down in April. And I want to do that. Why? Uh, number one, uh, I just love Jesus, and I hope that some way we can just kind of nudge them along in their community as well. One last thing before I turn you loose, you'll also see these cards laying around. has a little QR code on it. Uh, if you would pick one of those up, if you haven't signed up for Right Now Media. Do so. Folks, so far, you may sound like this is not much, but it's a great thing to me. Since we pushed this about three weeks ago, we've had 68 people to sign up for this already. Okay? Now that's already, let me throw this out at you. We have over mm, 1,800 emails that's been on, on our contact list. Now let me give you something else. It's dropped down to about, we only have 488 users. You think? why am I telling you that? Use it. Use it. Scan it. Use it. Let your kids watch the videos. Let them do that. It'll, it'll encourage them. Let them see something good and wholesome, all right? Folks, I want to thank you so much for being here. Please be sure to welcome Mike and, the family to the, uh, Mike and his family to our family. And uh, now you may, you may go. Have a great one.